Revelation, the 22nd chapter. I will read the entire chapter to put everything in context, although we're going to be dealing with just a few verses. We've been going through the book of Revelation sequentially, and we're on the last, the last chapter. Chapter 22, and of course this is the Apostle John. When he refers to me, he's referring to the Apostle himself, the Apostle John. And he showed me, uh, he is the angel, um, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give it every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to enter to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, what this is, is it begins the description of the new earth 
And as we know, the history of this earth is that it will come to an end. Uh, Jesus Christ will return. Uh, Christians who are alive at that time will be caught up, the Bible says, to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, they will be given a resurrection body at that time, and their bodies will meet the Lord, and these resurrection bodies will meet the Lord in the air. And all who have died, the Bible says, the graves will be opened, and they'll all be given what we call resurrection bodies. Uh, and they'll, the, there'll be a judgment day. This will all happen on one day. Uh, there'll be a judgment day. And uh, believers in Christ will uh, reign with him, and the earth will be made new. Uh, this, this present earth, there's some dispute about this, but I, I believe the present earth won't go away completely. It'll be renewed, and it'll be perfected. And uh, we will then live on this earth, and we will have things to do, and we'll have jobs to do, and we'll have... There's all sorts of interesting uh, biblical speculation about what the new earth is going to be. It's not, it's not described in detail uh, but, uh, uh, here, uh, but you can get some interpretations and get some ideas. So it, we, we had this idea that it's you know, going to be floating on a cloud playing a harp or something. Well, first of all, we're going to be on the earth. And we will be just as conscious, in fact, much more conscious than we are now. And we will have friends and we will be actively doing things. And uh, it's, uh, we will eat, and uh, we will uh, be involved in conversations, and we'll meet the great people that we've read about in the Bible, and we'll, it, uh, we'll of course, know our loved ones. I believe our uh, animals that we love will be there, too. Uh, and I think I have some biblical reasons for that. But let's go to uh, that. So that's just a little little background on on where we are in the, in the Bible right now. We're we're at the very end, and the the new earth has been created. The new heavens have been created, and we live with Christ forever. Now, in verses, what we're looking at, we're up to verse ten. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is obviously speaking here. Uh, And he's speaking directly to John. Verse 13, interestingly enough, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, is a parallel verse to a verse in the very first book of the Revelation. So we have the first chapter, and then we have the last chapter, and we have the same verse. Uh, in Revelation 1.8, Christ says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So what he's saying is, I am the first and the last. There were none before me, like there's no letters before our letter A, and there'll be none after me. There's no letters in our language after the letter Z. 
So he's saying that there, there were none before me, there will be none after me. And he repeats that three verses later, in fact, in the first chapter of Revelation in verse 11. And this is the same proclamation that he makes at the very end of Revelation uh, in, in uh, verse 13, as we can see. Now, why would he be doing that? Well, first in chapter 1, he appeared to John in order to open the vision that he was about to give him and authenticate that it's coming directly from him. You know, John, this is not some vision giving, given to you by a devil. This is not the pizza you ate last night. This is true from me, Jesus Christ. And uh, because John's vision surely didn't just take an hour or so, so it was 22 chapters when he wrote it down, or we put it into chapters, but it's, it's very long. So he, he opened and announced the vision and authenticated that it comes directly from him. In the last chapter of the book, he appears to John in order to close the vision, tell him there won't be any more visions now, and he's authenticating it. And the first chapter was the Lord's, if you want to think of a letter, the first chapter was the greeting, dear John, and the last chapter is his salutation. He opens the book and he closes it with his seal to tell us that every word of it is from him. In fact, he makes it very clear, as we just read, don't add anything to this. See, we're not to say, oh, I had a vision from God uh, and put it on the, uh, and, and God gave me this, this uh, inf- new information and it's, it's uh, got to be added uh, to what I already know about the Bible. He's saying don't do it. You'll get the plagues that are described in the Bible added to you if you try to do that. So we don't we don't engage in what is known as extra biblical revelation. Okay, we don't. We're warned Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. He can appear and claim to be Jesus Christ or an angel from God, and he can glow and do all sorts of things that you you know you you hear about uh, paranormal activity. He can do all that stuff. He's behind all that stuff. So he can make objects move and do all sorts of things to try to convince you that this is a messenger from God. But we're told not to believe that because all he wants to do is deceive you. Now remember that Revelation is the only book of the Bible that ends or begins and ends with a promise of blessing to those who study and obey it. Not that you won't be blessed if you read the other, you know, when you read the other books. But it's a fact that the book of Revelation is the only one that specifically promises a blessing. And it, like the Lord's opening of the book in the first chapter and his closing it in the last chapter, he also opens the book with this promise of blessing, if you read it uh, and obey it. And he closes it with the same promise. In the first chapter of Revelation, verse 3, he says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep these things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So it includes both reading it and hearing it read aloud. And then in the last chapter, 22, verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings. So from the first chapter to the last chapter, the Lord makes it clear we're to study this book and obey its commandments. And how many Christians study the book of Revelation? Most don't. And some do, and that's all they think about. 
like the reading in Acts this morning has always struck me because remember when Jesus ascended into heaven and these guys are standing there and they're looking up. Oh, there he goes. You know? And they, finally he went in behind a cloud and they couldn't see him anymore. And they're standing there. And the angel come up, comes up and says, basically, what are you doing staring up into the sky? Jesus will come back the way you saw him go. Get to work. He's told you what to do. He's to go to all the world and preach the gospel and be witnesses of him, teaching them, baptizing them. He's giving you your marching orders. Why are you standing here looking up into the sky? Well, that's what so many Christians do, particularly those who are so focused entirely on, on the end times. Okay? There's nothing wrong with thinking about the end times. But you know, you, if, that's, if that's your focus, you're like those people who are standing there staring up at the sky. Well, Jesus is going to come back. You know, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait for Jesus to come back. Well, you're, you're, what do they say? You're so heavenly minded, you're no, of no earthly good. So, we need to study the book of Revelation. But we need to study all of God's word. Uh, but I'm speaking now of people who are afraid to study the book of Revelation. I mean, it's called the Revelation uh, because it's, it's, it's a revelation. It's a vision, revealed secrets that God has given us about what's going to come in the future, what, is, uh, what has happened and what's going to come in the future. It's ordained by God for our edification and our encouragement. We are to know it intimately. But as I say, few do know it intimately. They know bits and pieces of it. Uh, they'll, you know, they might know about, uh, you know, a movie that they saw about it, uh, Left Behind. Maybe they read Left Behind or some of the other books about it, which are really way off, by the way. Um, we should be ashamed of ourselves if we neglect the Book of Revelation. If we're afraid of it, because there are things we might find that are too hard to understand, or so we don't even bother to try, or we think it's so obscure that nobody can really interpret it. Well, that's to say, well, the Lord would give us the Lord would give us a written revelation, knowing we can't possibly understand its meaning, which is basically blasphemous to think that, isn't it? The Lord would give you something, knowing that you couldn't understand it. He's not a trickster. Or even worse, we let others tell us what it says without studying it for ourselves, and we get led astray into all sorts of heresies that damage our Christian walk and our witness. So, you know, don't, not, take, I've always said, take what I say and be a Berean. Remember when Paul uh, went to the Bereans uh, in, in Berea and they study the scriptures daily to see what, uh, if what Paul said was, was true. And he praised them for that. So if you want to know Jesus Christ, you have to know the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it's called. With precious few exceptions, we read again in Acts this morning, one of those precious few exceptions. It's the only record we have of what Christ teaches after his resurrection. And it is, without exception, the only record we have of what he teaches after his ascension into heaven. Directly teaches. Now, he teaches through the writings of Paul, for example, and and such. But... uh, it's the only record of what he teaches after his ascension uh, that we have directly from, uh, directly from him and uh, speaking to John. So study it diligently. Now it is hard to understand. Everything in life worth having is hard to attain. 
And the more precious the thing, the harder usually you have to work at it. So your Father in Heaven knows that. He's training you for Heaven. He wants you to understand it and even promises you His blessing if you study it. It's a lot harder to study and learn it than it is a lot of the other books of the Bible. Uh, but he promises you his blessing. So be a Berean, study the scriptures. It says daily in Acts, or, uh, in, yes, in Acts. Uh, take Paul's advice to his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you be very careful how you handle it and don't take things out of context and, and come up with all sorts of theories that nobody ever heard of before. You know, it's, it's very simplistic, but a, uh, an elderly elder uh, that I once knew uh, passed away a few years ago, but uh, uh, A.C. Fails uh, said, if it's new, it ain't true. And that's pretty much accurate. And know that his spirit is going to guide you, <coughs> excuse me, guide you and <coughs> sorry. Guide you into understanding his word. The Lord Jesus promised that when he's when he was on this earth. And you know, when you read the scripture, you should always pray uh, that he will give you guidance uh, and protect you from error. Jesus said in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, of course, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. It was only writing the sermon that I caught something in there. And he will show you things to come. Could our Lord Jesus have been speaking of the book of Revelation and the revelation he was about to give his beloved Apostle John when he said that? That's very possibly what he meant. For the book of Revelation given to John directly by the risen Lord Jesus Christ is exactly things to come. And he promises that the Holy Spirit will help you uh, uh, show you things to come. And in the very first verse of the very first chapter of the book of Revelation, it says, quote, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. So Jesus said, when the spirit of truth has come, he will show you things to come. In chapter 22, verse 10, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. In other words, what's he saying? John, don't keep what you've seen and heard a secret here. Now, he he told Daniel to keep it a secret because the church wasn't ready for it. But he says, here, I don't want you to keep it a secret. They're not meant just for you. I see, I told you, Jesus is, I'm paraphrasing here, I told you at the very beginning of the revelation, you're to write them down in a book and send them to the seven churches in Asia Minor, which is Turkey today. And uh, what thou, in uh, verse 11 in chapter 1 of Revelation, what thou seest, Jesus says, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. And Jesus is saying to John, what I have shown you, the things to start taking place in your time, the first century A.D., 
and then the, all these things are going to take place until Judgment Day and beyond will then be given to all believers forever. We have it today because it was sent to the seven churches. Now, the reason John is not to keep these revelations to himself is given by Christ. Christ says the time is at hand here. The time is at hand, meaning what Christ has revealed for the future of the earth and mankind will soon begin to unfold in events, he's telling John. And they did, as we've seen through this sermon series. Uh, We have seen the rise and fall of nations predicted by Christ in the book of Revelation. Uh, We've seen the Roman Empire rise and fall, and we see where it was predicted. We saw the Holy Roman Empire predicted in the book of Revelation. We saw Islam predicted in the book of Revelation. The rise and fall, by the way, of Islam predicted in the book of Revelation. It hasn't fallen yet. That's in the future, but it will. Uh, We've seen the rise and fall of uh, Roman Catholicism, the Vatican, uh, the rise and fall of world governments, uh, apostate Protestant churches we've seen in the sermon series we've seen identified their rise and their fall uh, we've seen predicted one world government and one world religion predicted for the future but we know it's going to fall and it won't last very long it'll fall apart quite quickly we've even seen that the book of Revelation predicts down to not just the century not just the year not even the month, but down to the very day of the month of the year that Martin Luther would nail his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Church, which ignited the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. All of that is spelled out in this amazing book of Revelation. The very day, and if you didn't hear that, there's a sermon on sermonaudio.com about that. The very day that Martin Luther would nail the, the uh, uh, 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door uh, is in the book of Revelation, written, what, 1,600 years before it happened, 1,500 years before it happened. So the prophecy has not been sealed. It's plain for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. Now this verse, and he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the times at hand continues what we've said all along about what the book of Revelation is and what most commentators have affirmed throughout the centuries, that the book of Revelation is a history book written in advance, which makes it the history book of all time. Of all time. Unlike any history book written by mere men, it is the history book written by God himself. It's history written in advance. Now... No professor, no scholar would dare to write a book about what was to come and call it a history book. You know, we we would call it a fiction, a novel, not a history book. But the book of Revelation claims to be fact, and it proves it by demonstrating over and over again that what what was written in the first century we can see has come to pass. Most of it has come to pass. So that has got to shut the mouth of the most argumentative unbeliever. About 90% of what the book of Revelation predicted would come to pass between the first century and now has come to pass. So why would you doubt the last 10%? Judgment Day, new heaven, new earth, resurrection bodies, living forever. 90% of it has already been proven to you. Why would you doubt the last 10%? So, 
you'd be foolish to reject it as predicting what will happen in history from now on. And don't you think you'd be foolish to reject it when it warns you about your state of your soul if you reject Christ? This verse, and he said to me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand, speaks of time, which what I call the engine of the book of Revelation. It's about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in human history. Not his incarnation as a man, that's what the Gospels record, but his coming in human history as the risen Savior, the King of kings of the world. Through world events, which he ordains, but he principally acts through his body, which is the church on earth. So we've seen the book contains two main parts, the book of Revelation. The first is chapters 1 through 3, things which are, that is, things which were in John's own day in the first century. That's what Christ meant when he told John in Revelation 1.19, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter, after John's time. Chapter 1 to 3 is the introduction, followed by the seven letters to the seven churches of of Asia Minor. The second part of the book of Revelation is the rest of it, chapter 4 through 22. And that deals with things which shall be hereafter, meaning things after John's lifetime. Uh, Revelation 1.19 and 4.1 say the same thing. Uh, John says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Things which will happen or start to happen from the end of John's day to judgment, dating beyond to life on the reformed earth. So this second part of the book of Revelation, chapters 4 through 22, is a record of the victories of Christ and his church. It's uh, unfolding the future, largely symbolic language, you know, about beasts and and things like that, which we have done our best to to fit in together and try to find out what what they mean. It records the victories of Christ and his church as it conquers the world for Christ. And yes, it's usually two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes it's not even that good. He's ordained this for the good of his church. So you need to know that when setbacks come for us, for his church, for believers, for us individually, he's ordained them for your good and the good of his church. Why? Well, one reason so we don't become complacent and lazy. Expecting him to do all the work while while we act like we don't need to do anything. God is in charge and he slaps that laziness out of of us by apparent defeats for the church, such as when the civil government cracks down and many nations won't even let let Christians worship our own Bibles Uh, or in our own nation. How many can you think of where... uh, Christians are, are, are under attack by the government. Uh, he expects us to do our duty. And when we slough off, he wakes us up and persecutes the church, allows persecution of the church and makes it clear what we're supposed to do. So apparent defeat of the church is one of his methods of keeping us awake, reminding us that we're, are, we are the church militant. The church on earth, the body of Christ is called a church militant. 
We're soldiers of Christ on this earth. And we have marching orders. And we must march to the hymn Onward Christian Soldiers Fighting as to War. So just as to suffering Christians in the first century, John has a profound message to us in the 21st century. Though the devil temporarily seduces us into thinking, well, it's a lost cause, we're to take heart. We're to watch and stand in the faith. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. It's an old-fashioned word. It doesn't mean to quit the way we think. It means equip yourself. Stand up. Suck it up. Man up. Paul, Paul were writing today, that's what he would say. Man up. Overcome. Revelation 2.7 To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Christ says a lot about overcoming. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. To him will I give power over the nations. These are various quotes from the book of Revelation, Christ speaking. He shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Another one. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Another one, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Listen to all these promises. Another one, he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. What are we overcoming? We're overcoming our own inclinations to sin. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, the Bible says. Paul says, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, I beat my body to death every day, you know, denying it. The, the temptations, denying going through with the, with the sins. Overcoming. Overcoming. Does that describe you right now? I'm not saying you're perfect. Nobody's perfect on earth. But if you're not if you're not sure that you're a believer, as I said, 90% of the book of Revelation has already come true. Don't doubt the last 10% of it, which says if you're not a believer, you'll go to hell, flat out. But if you are, you'll go to heaven. And if not, bow your heart to him and ask him to convert you. You can't do it by yourself. You need the one who created you to create in you a new person fit for heaven. The Bible talks over and over again about how you're a new person. Christ. You leave the old life behind you and you live a new life. Not perfectly. You fall back sometimes. But more and more you're being created for heaven. So no matter what your sin, no matter how horrible it may be, Christ can take your punishment upon himself. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you can, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it says, straight from the Bible. What else does it say? It goes on and says, For with the heart man believes unto, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto, results in salvation. Ask him to convert you. Let's pray.
Father, indeed, we uh, come to Thee this morning, uh, imperfect believers. We, we want to believe, Father, and yet we have doubts. Sometimes we, we wonder about our salvation. We, we wonder about what's true and what isn't. Father, we confess sometimes we, we, don't, we doubt You, and sometimes we don't feel that You're there. Father, we ask Thy forgiveness for that because what we're doing is depending on our own feelings. Scripture doesn't say we are saved because we think we're saved or confident in our salvation. We have total assurance of faith. It says believe. Ignore your feelings. Our feelings are fallen, uh, corrupted by sin. Father, we... uh, we continue to ask for that when we're, when we're in those times of, of depression and, and valleys, lift us up, Father, and, uh, and uh, restore in us uh, true assurance. But let us always remember, even if we don't feel saved, that we are and that we cannot lose our salvation. Jesus said, those that the Father has given me, no one can pluck them out of my hand. Lord, we uh, continue to ask thy blessings upon those who are uh, dealing with difficulties in uh, in our church, Father, uh, our little church family. We have uh, a number of people who uh, owe having uh, family problems and uh, causing uh, emotional reactions and uh, difficulties, Father, and we ask thy blessings upon us, Lord. Uh, we know that uh, we sometimes say and do things that we regret later, and uh, certainly I am no exception to that. And Father, we ask Thy blessings uh, like oil on troubled waters that uh, that would uh, mend mend hearts uh, wherever that uh, is needed. Uh, Lord, we uh, thank Thee for uh, uh, restoring uh, Catherine to health and bringing her back to us uh, today. Uh, we ask thy blessings upon uh, upon their grief, Lord, and uh, particularly for uh, Dave's family uh, and Father. Be with their daughter, Elsa, Lord. Uh, strengthen her faith. Give her faith. Increase it, Lord. Now, don't let her be bitter and turn from thee, Father, but uh, turn to thee uh, in this time. Protect her, Lord, and. Uh, Show us all, uh, those who know her and uh, know the family, uh, show us how to minister to them. Father, we continue to pray for uh, Beverly Evans uh, and uh, in her pregnancy. Uh, bring this uh, child into the word world happy and healthy uh, as a believer in Christ, Father. Uh, Lord, uh, give uh, Jim uh, strength and courage to, uh, uh, to help Beverly and uh, be the father that he should be, and, and both of them raising their children as they should. Uh, father, we uh, ask blessings upon little Truman, uh, that this not be a serious uh, situation, Father, to bring him back to health quickly. Uh, Lord, we uh, continue to pray for Linda Cowan and uh, her gallbladder situation, Lord. Um, father, heal her, please, and uh, continue to... Uh, uh, give strength to uh, Kat, 
uh, and her need for uh, for rest and a recovery, Father, and uh, protect that little baby as well. Father, as we uh, as we meet during the week together as families, uh, be with us, guide us into all truth, uh, given us a, a, a new desire to read Thy Word daily, to study the Scriptures like the Bereans. Uh, Father, that we meet together in, in prayer as a family. We pray individually. Um, Father, we uh, as parents teach our children and the way they should go from the scriptures, memorizing scriptures, uh, praising these singing songs to thee, Father, whatever thou hast ordained for our family devotions. Uh, strengthen that in us, Father. And Lord, protect us as we uh, fellowship together and closing the service and uh, protect us uh, as we go home. And let us always remember that this is the Lord's day. It is not our day. Um, we are to do things, guide us, Father, in the things that we are to do and, and not to do today. Uh, and uh, every man in his own heart, uh, follow, the, follow the commandment to uh, honor this day and keep it holy. In our precious Savior's name, we ask all these things. Amen. <clears throat>